Now, last week we began a brand new series called Run the Race. And I decided to invite the greatest preacher that I've ever known to kick off our sermon series. And so I had my dad last week to preach for us. And we went back to 1999 and to pull out one of that, the classic sermons that my dad is so well known for. Don't quit. Never, never, never quit. And I hope you were encouraged as we had the opportunity of, of hearing that voice again. Uh, of hearing that encouragement again. And so today we're going to continue that series. We're going to continue walking through that uh, statement of, of, of the importance of all of us continuing to run the race. And before we get to the idea of the race that we all have that we must run, the journey that all of us have that we must walk through, I thought the, the greatest place to talk about, the greatest place to start for us today as we talk about running the race is to talk about the ending. To not talk about the, the, the beginning line, the starting line, not to talk about the journey in the middle. Let's start with the ending. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, here's what it says. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it great to know that as we are running this race that God has given to us to run, isn't it great to know that we've already won the race? When you watch the Olympics or you watch some other sporting event, can you imagine the encouragement that people must have the minute they walk onto the field or walk onto the track if they knew right up front, hey, I've already won this. I mean, it would change their whole spirit, right? I mean, it would encourage them. It would help them to recognize, number one, to show up, right? I mean, to make sure that they didn't stay, well, I'm going to stay in the hotel. I'm, I'm not going to go to that race because I don't think I can win. When they know they're going to win and all they have to do is to show up, to win the medal, to get the prize, to whatever, you know, to get the, the check, whatever it is that they're going to win by running that race, isn't it great to know the victory is already ours? Well, let me tell you today, the victory is ours. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. So we know that we've won the race, right? There it is. Okay. So now that we know that we've won the race, then let's talk about the importance of the journey. Because if we were going to show up to a game, to show up to a race, uh, to show up to a contest that we knew that we already had won, if we decided not to run the race, then we would have wasted something of value. Now, here's the thing that you've got to get right up front. Even though we know we have the victory because of Christ, if we don't show up and run the race, the only thing that can keep us from victory is not God, it's us. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. This passage, these two verses are some of the most encouraging verses in all of God's Word. Because number one, it calls us to action, right? Let us run the race. But it also encourages us and guarantees us, again, as 1 Corinthians 15 does, that we've already won the race, the victory is already ours, all that we've got to do is to run. So today, here's what I want to give you. I want to give you three elements of the race that must be present in all of our lives. Like three elements of a successful race. 
If we're going to run the race, if we're going to do what God's called us to do, there are three things that we have to engage, that we have to kind of bring into, incorporate into our journey if we're going to see God do what God has already promised that He will do. Now, the first element, the first word is the word remove. Now look back again into verse 1, the second part of that verse. It says this, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. No race has ever been won without removing the thing which slows us down. Can you imagine if uh, Michael Phelps in the Olympics the last time when he won all those gold medals, can you imagine how it would have changed if he would have decided that when he jumped into the pool and began to swim in those Olympic trials, those Olympic uh, contests, that he decided to strap on a weight vest, you know, with, with weights hanging around him, and he decided to swim the race with that on. Now, let's be honest, he probably still would have won. But chances are it would have been far more difficult, am I right? So, this passage tells us, let us lay aside every weight. Now, we've all been in quarantine. Uh, you know, we, we've all had the opportunity of learning how to cook a little bit more than we used to, right? Uh, my kitchen at home has been used more than it has ever been before. My kitchen is convinced that the Falwells moved out and someone else moved in. <laughs> we've all heard about this idea of the quarantine 15. Have you heard that phrase, right? I, I'm here today to confess to you, here's my confessional, there's no priest here, but here's my confessional. I have, I have found the quarantine 12, okay? I have not quite got 15 yet, I, you know, I, I'm an underachiever maybe, but the quarantine 12, I've gained 12 pounds in the last 10 weeks. And let me just tell you, it was beautiful. <laughs> I learned how at home to make... Uh, Chicago-style deep-dish pizza from scratch. Natalie and, and, and I, we, we looked it up online, and we got all the things, and we went to the store and bought, like, all these things that I've never even seen before, like yeast and flour and, uh, and uh, cornmeal and all that. And there is a difference between yellow cornmeal and white. Man, I'm telling you, I'm going to start a cooking show right here. Uh, and so we made, the, and we actually, I was so proud of myself, I got my phone and put it on the tripod and I did a time-lapse photo video thing of us cooking uh, Chicago-style pizza, and it took us nine hours to cook those pizzas. But baby, I'm telling you, I'm, it, was, it was heaven when we ate it. I'm now convinced heaven is going to be full of Chicago-style pizza, I'm just telling you. Uh, so listen, it's been a beautiful journey. But let's be honest, that while we've all been gaining a little bit of weight, we've all been, it slows us down, right? I mean, it, that's what it's talking about here. We have to lay aside every weight and that sin that so easily ensnares us. Now, here's a couple of things. If we're going to win the race, if we're going to run it with endurance, as this passage tells us, there are three things that we've got to make sure that we understand of the, the weights that will slow us down. And they all start with the word, S, the letter S, okay? Here's the first one, sin. The second one is self, and the third one is sloth, right? So sin, we know that. That's going to slow us down. So how do we fix it? Man, we've got to make sure confession is a part of our journey. We've got to make sure that when we blow it, when we mess up, that confession quickly comes after the commission of a sin. 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, He's faithful just to forgive us of all of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? So sin, confession. The second one is self. And so how do we fix self? It's by incorporating compassion. Because when you are a compassionate person, you cannot be a selfish person. 
So we have to make sure that we incorporate compassion into our lives, compassion for others, compassion for mankind, and that helps us to move past the weight of selfless or selfishness. The third one, sloth, that's laziness. Like that's like, okay, I give up. I quit. Dad talked about that last week. I, I did, the journey's too tough. I, I don't want to do it. I just want to sit on my couch and, and watch Netflix, right? How many have done that? I'm not going to ask. Right. So how do we fix that one? Well, it's easy. We fix sloth by commitment. Like of having the idea that, man, I am all in. I am committed to running the race that God has set before me. So the first thing we've got to do is we've got to remove. If we're going to run the race with endurance, we have to be willing to set aside the things that will slow us down. Michael Phelps would have to take off that weight belt, that weight jacket to swim to win the gold medal. We have to take off the weights in our life, the sin in our lives, the selfishness in our lives, the the laziness in our lives if we're going to run the race and win the race that God has set before us. So the first word is remove. The second word is renew. The second word is renew. Look at verse 2, the first part of that verse. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, we've all heard that phrase before, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And here's what it really means, right? Here's kind of in our vernacular and our language of understanding. It's just simply this. God wrote the book and he finished the book. Jesus started it and he will end it. And so if we're going to run the race with endurance, if we're going to get to the, to the finish line in victory as God has already promised, then we have to tap into the energy source to get us there. Every time that you ever see a, a long distance runner, you see they're drinking water and they're, you know, they're, they're eating uh, bananas and they're doing all of these kinds of things to get calories, to get energy. They're, they're eating pasta. I once saw that Michael Phelps, and again, I'm talking a lot about Michael Phelps just because that's pretty much the only sports person I know, but um, that he talked about like he would many times before races that he would, he would actually um, eat like 5,000 or 10,000 calories and he would do it all like eating pasta and stuff like that. Doesn't that sound awesome? I mean, I can do that. I could be an Olympic gold medalist in, in pasta eating, right? I mean, we could do that. And so we need energy. So where do we find energy? We tap into the presence of Christ in our lives. John chapter 14, uh, verse 16, Jesus said, and I will pray that God will send another. And who is the other? The Holy Spirit, an advocate, a comforter who will come alongside, who is with us every step. The moment that we trust Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is with us. He's our energy. He's our source. And we need to be tapping into that source. How do we do that? Staying in God's word. Staying as a person of prayer. Staying active in sharing our faith, of recognizing that we have a duty and a responsibility to let others know who Christ is and what Christ has done. I've challenged all of you to tell your story on Facebook and Twitter and and other social media events, to do it in person. I did a funeral, preached a funeral the other day. As I pulled into the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the funeral home, the person out in the parking lot who worked at the funeral home said, listen, I heard you talk about how that I needed to share my faith with 10 people. And I just want you to know I'm sharing it with 10 people a day. I'm telling people about Jesus as often as I can. And that person doesn't even go to our church. How cool is that? We have to stay tapped into the power source, into the energy of hearing from Christ, being encouraged by Christ, being pushed by Him, by encouraged by the Holy Spirit who in, enables us to do what we do, and then to be renewed every single day by the presence of Christ in our lives.
So we have to remove, get rid of the weight. Number two, we have to renew by tapping into that energy, that power that brings us to the the finish line. And here's a third word, return. Return. Look at this passage, verse 2, the second part of the verse. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, if you're going to run the race that God has set before you, you have to be encouraged by the prize. And what's the prize? Heaven. What's the prize that we have to look forward to? It's not a gold medal. It's not a check that we win. It's not a, you know, a trophy. It's not a plaque. Man, it's so much better than those things because it is heaven. Because Jesus has prepared a place for us. And today, you know where he is according to this passage? He is sat down at the right hand of the Father. And here's what he's doing. He's waiting for us to cross the finish line. He's waiting for us to finish our race. Man, today... We have to recognize that we must return to that blessed hope of knowing that Christ has prepared a place for us. Running the race, oh, it's critical. It's vital. We have to be, we must be passionate about our faith. The world will never be changed by a church that is lazy. The world will never be changed by a church that is selfish. The world will never be changed by a church that is sinful. The world will be changed by a church that is focused on the author and the finisher of our faith. Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 says this, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. My encouragement to you today as we have a kind of a new beginning, if you will, is that we must press toward the mark, toward the prize of what Christ has given to each and every one of us. And he gave it to us through the cross and the empty tomb. And today, if you've never come to that place of believing, of beginning that journey with Christ in your life, of recognizing that the only way to run the race is to run with the one who who gives us the energy, the power to do it, the fact that he died for your sins and we're all sinners, who was buried and who rose again for us so that we might have that energy, that power, that, that eternal life that Christ gives. If you've never done that, I encourage you right now just to simply, as we bow our heads together, to take this moment to pray this prayer asking God to do what only he can do to save you today. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus is the only one who can save me. And so today, I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that he died and that he rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Save me today through your son, Jesus. And help me to live for you for the rest of my life as you give me the power to do it. Thank you, God, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My friend, if you prayed that prayer, and I'm encouraged, and I pray that you are. And I would love to celebrate, to rejoice with you. Now, if you're watching today, I want you to email me. The email address is on the screen. Just email me. Let me know that you prayed that prayer and we want to rejoice with you and pray for you. If you're here in the room and you prayed that prayer 
And maybe you want to talk with someone. Maybe this journey over the last 10 weeks has been something that has been overwhelming and you just need someone to pray with you and pray for you. When the service is over, our pastors are going to be gathered right over here on the left side of the room. And they will come down and talk with them. They'll take you over into the, uh, to the paid chapel and, and all the protocols in place. But yet they'll encourage you and pray with you. And whatever you need, they will help you walk through this journey. Isn't it great when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And why is that? Because our God is great. Our God is good. How great is our God? in this room to praise that name every Sunday and for the first time in many weeks we're once more together physically but it never stops it doesn't just stop after we leave this room this morning it's an everyday all-day thing because Christianity is not a part-time deal Christianity is 24 7 and we worship him not just with our songs of praise but with the lifestyle that gives him honor gives him praise gives him glory in everything that we do with all that we have with all that we are and there's a little 
line in this song. It says, name above all names, worthy of all praise. My heart will sing how great is our God. It's my favorite part of this song. I just, I would just like to just bring the band way down and, 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 uh, and I just want to sing this to you, sing it over you. And as we do, I just want you to consider how great the name of the Lord is. He is worthy. Name above all names, worthy of all praise. My heart will see how great is our God. Oh, sing it, sing it. Name above. our God. All that we are, all that we have, you are great and you are worthy. I want to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.